What's up, bitches? This is Sierra. And what's up, bitches? This is Morgan. And this, and this is Bitches and Murders. I don't think we were on time. I don't but think we will ever be on time. It was closer. Was it? I I don't I don't know. I'm pretending. I don't think so. Let me okay. feel good. <laughs> uh do I have any housekeeping? Um, I do have some minor housekeeping. Okay. Um, I had an issue with Redbubble. Um, they just kind of suck as a company oh, right. and a whole. Um, so the current like merch store is shut down at the moment. Um, however, um, actually, I think next week, hopefully. Um, I'm going to be getting the materials to be able to manufacture stuff from home. So then I'll be like popping up a new actual store where everything will just be handmade by me instead of a shitty corporation who takes yep. advantage of artists. So, And on that note, that when that's up and running, we will make sure to put it on our Beacons page. Um, our Beacons page is conveniently linked on all of our social media it has all of the links to everything. So it's got the link to our Patreon. It has the link to our Discord. It has the link to um, our Spotify, our TikTok, and it will soon have the link to our merch store as soon as that gets up and running. So it's like a one-stop shop for literally anything you could want, bitches yes. and murders. Very convenient. So yeah, super excited for all of that. All right. Is that all of our housekeeping? Yeah, I think so. Fuck. Think All right, so. Let's get into this. Uh, so I put a reminder for myself at the beginning of my notes to put a content warning before I just dive into this. Um, so in true Renfair fashion, I will say it thrice. There is child abuse in this episode. This whole thing is about child murders. If you oh, don't like that, please see the exit. I will not be offended twice now there are child murders there's also child sexual assault so please if that makes you uncomfortable i am not offended and for the last time there is child murders and sexual assault that is my thrice i am moving on i'm so sorry (laughs) okay i know i appreciate it though i need to get better about like (laughs) making sure to put content warnings because sometimes i'm just so desensitized that sometimes i just forget yeah i mean the reality is is like we're a true crime podcast so nothing is going to be sunshine and rainbows however but i do acknowledge that like child crimes hit a little bit differently so i will always warn people about those earlier i was talking to lana and i was like looking up new cases i was like "Hmm, who do i want to cover next and i was like (laughs) reading the little like blurb about this guy and i was like is it bad that I've covered so many Brazilian and Colombian murderers that I don't know if I've covered this man who's killed like 300 people? Dude, uh, I feel like some of our like wild cases have come out of Brazil. I know. I was like, I, I don't even know. I, I should know that like 300 people should be significant, but it's not. <laughs> I feel it. They build them different in Brazil. However, today... We're not from Brazil. We're not from Brazil. Our serial killer is not from Brazil. Whatever. Uh, This takes place in Rochester, New York. Oh, God. That's right, folks. Today, we are talking about the alphabet killer, or the double initial murders, or the alphabet murderer, or the double initial killer. I have heard all variations of these two things. They couldn't make a decision. I don't know. They're like, yeah, all the names are cool. We'll just keep all it's, of them. Yeah, whatever. They're all they're all hidden. Uh, so we don't actually know who the murderer is. So I don't have any like fun backstory to give you. Uh, we're just jumping right into the shit show, and I apologize. Oh, um, I like those ones. Should also mention this is going to be a two part episode. The first part I will talk about all of the murders. Um, ooh, sorry, I have hiccups. Um. Yeah, I'll talk about all the murders, um, kind of, you know, how everything went down. Uh, I will give some backstory to the kids because I think they deserve to be remembered uh, as not brutally murdered, but as like the beautiful children that they were. Amen Um, to that. And then part two will be the suspects and kind of deep diving into 
who done it slash who do we think done it all that fun jazz so <sighs> our murders start with carmen colin i believe is how this last name is pronounced uh she was born in rochester new york in 1961 she was somewhere in the middle of six kids um Jeez. No yeah thanks. she spent the first half in her life with her parents in puerto rico and then the family returned to rochester new york um carmen struggled really hard to learn english at first because let's be real english is a trash language yes uh, hard agree so in school she was placed in a special ed class um which is bullshit in my opinion because apparently not having english as your first language makes you special uh i hate it um so she was kind of labeled as like not smart like behind the curve and none of that was true it's just that english is a hard language to grasp right especially going into fucking new york like the way new yorkers talk new york english is a whole dialect of its own whole dialect yeah like i go there and i don't know what the fuck they're talking about (laughs) like (laughs) um so carmen was described as having an upbeat and affable personality she was called like a sweet little angel by all of her teachers um so she was just a well-liked kid like she was very sweet everybody loved her um when she was little her father left and went back to puerto rico um and sometime later his brother moved in with the family um and that'll become important later uh but he lived there for so long that he kind of became a common law husband to her mother uh so it's kind of like her uncle stepdad love that yeah um love that so she was living with her mom for her mom and her uncle stepdad for a little bit uh but strangely enough (laughs) six fucking kids is a lot uh so she kind of started floating between living with her mom and living with her paternal grandparents which were literally like a 10 minute walk down the road um in a statement to the press by an unidentified family member it was kind of suggested that carlin carlin wow fuck me carmen uh wasn't particularly taking like she was taken care of like they loved her to pieces um but she had really bad nightmares for whatever reason. And the family just kind of stopped giving a fuck about the nightmares. Like she would have them every single night. She would wake up like screaming, like drenched in sweat, like having a rough time. Um, And they just stopped comforting her and just kind of started leaving her to her own devices. Like we it love just, that. <laughs> yeah, it just became the normal, you know, like, ah, oh, it's 3 a.m., Carmen's screaming, whatever, she'll figure it out. Like, what? You're like, she'll get over it. It'll be fine. <laughs> ah! Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, so that brings us to November 16th of 1971. Carmen's mom had come to the grandparents' house needing medication for the nine-month-old, because the nine-month-old was sick. Uh, and... They lived in kind of a rough neighborhood. I mean, it's Rochester. Like, let's be real. The whole neighborhood's kind of rough. Uh, <laughs> and she didn't want to walk to the drugstore with a nine-month-old, which, like, is valid. I, I get that. I, I'm I, not going to falter. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, either. And Carmen was very eager to impress her mother because, uh, you know, that's what you do when you're a kid. If you think that if you do things, it'll earn right, your parents' like your love. Parents are cool. It doesn't always work out that way. Um. So Carmen volunteered to go, and her mom was like, okay, but you're going to go with your grandfather. Like, you're not going to walk by yourself. Um, And Carmen said, fuck that, and left without him. Oh, good. I was (laughs) like, what? An actual responsible parent in the 70s? Like, (laughs) (laughs) never Uh, heard of that. So she left the house around 4.20 p.m. uh, (laughs) and made it. it. I hate you. (laughs) Uh, she made it to the pharmacy about four minutes later. It wasn't a long walk at all. Um, and she handed the prescription to the pharmacist and her mother's Medicaid card. So this kind of blows my mind because he was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, it's going to take me 30 minutes to prepare this. Like, how? How was like a whole ass child just like, oh, yeah, here's my mom's Medicaid card uh, and the prescription. Can you just fill it? 
What? I mean, to be fair, it was the 70s. That's fair. And I feel like that was like the time period where like you could send your kid down to like the liquor store to like buy you cigarettes and shit. That's true. All right. All right. All right I'll allow it. <laughs> so she apparently left the store in a hurry saying that she would be back in like 30 minutes to pick it up. Uh, she never really said where she was going or why she was in such a hurry. Um, but some people said that they got her, they saw her get put into a car in front of the drugstore. Um, by 5 p.m. she hadn't returned home, so her mother got concerned, sent her uncle out looking for her. Uh, he couldn't find her, so by 7, it, she still hadn't been found. They called the police. And I will give the police this. They were very responsive to her calling and being like, yo, my daughter's missing, because they sent... 40 officers like door to door trying to find Carmen seeing if like maybe she went to a friend's house or like whatever like they police doing their jobs yeah right in the 70s crazy that's Um, the most unbelievable part so far (laughs) honestly though um so yeah they're going door to door they're searching the entire area um what they don't know is that Around 5.30 is the last time that she was seen. Um, And I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get so fucking mad. Oh. Like, so mad. (laughs) So, the last time she was seen was at about 5.30 when witnesses saw a half-naked girl matching Carmen's description running down the highway being chased by a car. No one stopped to help her. Ooh, I feel the rage rising in me. (laughs) Rush hour traffic in New York. No one stopped to help a half-naked 10-year-old. You didn't have to stop. You were already stopped. It's New York traffic. You were already stopped. Like, there was nothing for you to... Oh, it gets worse. Oh, good. So... Not only did nobody stop to help her, no one called the fucking police to tell them about this until three days after the fact when her photo was plastered in every newspaper because they found her dead body. I mean, maybe I mean, I was not raised in the <laughs> 70s. Um, so anyone listening, please feel free to correct me. But weirdly enough, I feel like even in the 70s. Half-naked children running, like, screaming and crying, probably. Uh, from a literal car chasing them? It's, like, not the most normal thing. Yeah. So, I tried to watch a documentary about this. So I got most of my information from a book. But I, like, I tried to watch a documentary about this. And they found a motorist that was, like, driving and saw her. First of all, when I say half-naked, I'm not meaning, like, oh, she was wearing pants, but she, like, didn't have a top on. No. She had on, like, a shirt and her coat and just didn't have pants on. Right, like, totally normal child behavior. I mean, mean, for, like, toddlers, maybe. So you know it's cold as shit. Right, Uh, like, (laughs) it's the middle of winter. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, So they're, they're interviewing this guy, and he's like, yeah, I saw her just running down the road, being chased by this car, driving backwards after her, and I didn't do anything and the like the guy interviewing him was like did you call the cops and they're like uh i mean eventually I'm like, that's what i'm doing right now <laughs> you didn't think to like stop like was she waving for help and he was like yeah i mean she was waving her arms but like i thought you know it's just a, a kid running and i'm like no kid runs with their arms above their head flailing them around like the inflatable dude in front of a car dealership Half naked in the middle of winter, getting chased <laughs> by a vehicle. In the of November, like what? Ah! And then he tried to justify it. He was like, "Yeah, I thought you know she was. They just pulled over so she could go to the bathroom, and she just threw a temper tantrum and ran." I'm like, "Fucking what? Like you can't stop trying to justify this in your head and just admit that you fell victim to the bystander effect and you have to live with that for the rest of your life even if that was true like even like bully me kids are fucking weird like i that could be true you know what i mean 
But like, isn't it worth calling the cops to like find out? Because if that's true, the cops will show up and the, they'll find that out immediately and then be like, oh yeah, nothing's wrong here. Like, carry on. Right. And like, like I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a little bit of leeway. Like, it's the 70s. You don't have a cell phone, but like, call the cops when you get home. Or like, I don't know, pull your fucking car over and be like, hey, is everything okay? Do you need help? Right. Like, like ah! Just, I can't wrap my ah! head around it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if it makes you feel better, uh, that detail of the case hit the media and the newspapers dragged the fuck out of everybody. Good. The, like some of the headlines were like, no one stopped. Uh, apathy abounds as motorists ignore girl. Girl is slain after motorists ignore her pleading for help. Hundreds saw Carmen and nobody stopped. And I'm like, okay. For once, I'm with the media on this one. Like, drag the right, fuck like out of Like, you finally everybody. did something right here. Thank God. Yeah. I'm like, y'all are some fucking assholes. Okay. So, two days after her disappearance, her half-naked body was found by two... The ages differ. Some reports say teenage boys. Some reports just say kids. Um, at either rate, they found her in like a ditch off of Interstate 490, uh, which is about 12 miles from where she was last seen running half naked down the highway. Never going to let that detail go. Right. Um, so like she was probably killed like pretty fucking soon after that. She was still like in the same state of dress, too. Yeah. Um, and then her coat was found about 300 feet away from her body. Um and then her pants were found a few miles back by a service road. Uh, but those didn't get found until November 30th. Yeah, I'm not. Well, the 300 feet, not as much. But I'm not surprised about the pants. Like, that's far yeah. away. Like, why would you even be looking over there? Yeah. And like with the coat, too, like all the reports I said made it sound like um, it was kind of an afterthought. Like they ditched the body, started driving away. We're like, oh shit, her coat. That's still exactly in here. what like, I thought about. And then they the probably window. got even farther away, and we're like, oh fuck, here's her fucking pants. You know what I mean? Well, the pants were back by the service road where she was seen. Like, oh, so they were probably lost first. <laughs> yeah. And then they ditched the coat later. That makes sense. Yep. Um, so her autopsy report showed that she was brutally raped. Um, she had very extensive fingernail scratches up and down her body, as well as pretty extensive bruising. Um, it also showed that she had suffered a fracture to her skull in one of her vertebrae, uh, which implied that she was beaten pretty badly before she was manually strangled to death. I don't know why the fingernail scratches bothers me more than anything. Yeah. Ugh. The whole thing just bothers me. Honestly. I mean, all of it, but I mean, it's all bad. Let me specify <laughs> all of it bothers me. It's all bad. But for some reason that I extra hate for it's not even like a bad thing. Like, I'm sure that didn't hurt near as much as like anything else. But for some reason that bothers me and I don't like it. It just feels extra unnecessary. Yeah, it just feels like not it. Extra. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Um. So by December 21st, they had no true leads uh, and the police department took a note out of LAPD's book and the investigators on the case full time uh, was cut down to three. Yeah, because uh, we should definitely have a lot when we're trying to find them, but nobody when they actually get murdered. Now yeah. there's a whole ass murderer out there. Mm -hmm. That feels like we should decrease the importance. Right. Uh, also, like, what is that? Like a month? Like you tried for a month and you're like, ah, oh, nope, sorry, nothing. Like, what? What the fuck? Oh my god, it just makes me mad. Um, so I won't talk about who the specifics they were that were interviewed, but quite a few people were interviewed in relation to being suspects for this case. Um, and this is where I get mad at the police department again. They all passed a polygraph test, so they were like, oh, yeah, you're good, because you totally can't fucking outsmart a polygraph test. No, nobody's ever done that. Never once, ever. Yeah. And that's a common theme that you'll see throughout all three girls is that, like, 
all of the suspects were cleared because oh they passed a polygraph test like get fucked all you have to do to pass a polygraph test is believe your own bullshit right like just keep your heart rate under control and bam you passed a polygraph test yeah it's not about like convincing the machine it's about convincing yourself yeah (laughs) (sighs) so by 1972 there were no further in finding out who killed her so a lot of businesses started kind of like chipping in and off like helping put in like a rewards fund uh, for anybody that had information. Um, and it got to the point where they were offering a $6,000 reward for anybody that had information that led to the arrest and conviction of her murderer. Um, and the Rochester Outdoor Advertising Company gave the family a free month's use of five large billboards. Um, and each one had a picture of Carmen, the reward, and then like an anonymous tip line. Because um, they were kind of hoping that like if people could go in anom- anonymously. Right. Ha- they might be more likely to say something. Right. Um, uh, this all failed. It didn't get them any closer to finding out who did it, which is a bummer. Yeah, that's sad. It was sweet of those businesses to like do so much for it. I do really appreciate them like chipping in. Uh, so that's all I have for Carmen. So now we move on. Oh, actually, that's not all I have for Carmen. I forgot to mention. Um, so part of the al- why this is called the alphabet murders, and you'll kind of notice as I keep going, all of the girls have double initials. So their first and last name starts with the same letter. So like Carmen each- Colin. Yeah. Each girl was also found in a town that starts with that initial. So Carmen was found in... Churchill, I believe is what it was called. Okay. But yeah. So they're all found in. Okay, Riddler. Right. (laughs) Like, we get it. You think you're clever. Um, so that brings us to Wanda Walkowitz. Ah. I made it. (laughs) I was really nervous about that last name. I wasn't sure I was gonna make it. You got this. Yeah. Uh, So Wanda was born August 4th, 1961 in Rochester, New York. She was the eldest of three. Um, When she was six, her father died of a heart attack. And a few few years later, her mother met Peyton Ranny, who moved in and became the mother's common-law husband after the birth of their daughter. So mom had two kids with first husband and then one kid with common-law husband. So three all together. Um, so Wanda was described as mature for her age. Um, she was constantly fussing over her red curls uh, and was often described as trying to be like a mini adult. Um, she did pretty average in school, but loved to read and got above average marks on all of her reading classes. Um, she was described as happy and very personable and well liked by everyone that she met. Um, her teachers kind of knew that she had a lot of responsibilities at home, kind of helping care for her sisters, but she took it in strides and she often kind of basked in her role of like being the little mom, uh, which I think is adorable. That is really cute. I, I can like that. picture her really well. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so April 2nd, 1973. Uh, so what is that about a year after? Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wanda's mom asked her to run to the store for like basic necessities and diapers. Uh, she left the house at about 5 p.m. On the way there, she ran into three of her friends who decided to walk with her. Uh, the group was seen leaving the store between 5.15 and 5.30. Um, and because Wanda was you know, carrying all of these grocery bags, she was kind of lagging behind. Um, they looked back at one point and saw her kind of leaning against the fence to rearrange her grip on the bags. They kept walking, looked back again, and she was gone. I... What assholes? <laughs> Just fucking help her. <laughs> wow, it looks like you're really struggling back there. Um, uh, We're just going to leave you behind, though. Okay, they're like 10. 
okay, 10-year-olds are assholes. Have you ever <laughs> met a 10-year-old? That's what I'm saying. Like, you're really going to expect a 10-year-old to be like, oh, let me help you with those bags. But also, they could very much not be assholes. Like, my friends were nicer than that when I was 10. <laughs> Fuck them okay. kids. Well, your friends didn't grow up on the mean streets in New York. I don't know what you want from these kids. The New Yorkers. Those New York <laughs> kids. The assholes. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't be laughing about this. Um, so when she hadn't returned home, her mom got worried and sent her middle daughter to go look for Wanda. <laughs> she said. Which I don't understand. <laughs> Let's not send an adult. Like, I think one child might have gotten stolen. Uh, you want another one? Well, and remember that Wanda's the eldest of three. And she's like 10 or 11. I don't know how to do math. Just a twofer. But, like, she's a child. So then she sends the middle child, who's probably like seven or eight, to go find her sister. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's only like the 70s, honestly. So Rita stopped by, sorry, Rita is her sister's name, by the by, forgot that part, Uh, stopped by the houses of two of Wanda's friends to see if they were there, if she was there, and they were like, no, we left her sorry ass behind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um... She, they told her, like, she was there, but they saw her walking, like, towards home and whatever. Uh, so she went to the grocery store, was asking the grocery store people, like, hey, have you seen my sister? They were like, yeah, she brought groceries, and then she left with her friends. Um, so she was like, well, shit. I don't know where she is, but, like, what if she doesn't come home in time? So she bought some extra groceries and then headed home. To tell her mom, like, yay, I didn't find her. So. That's very forward thinking for, like, a small child. Right? Like, let me buy some extra groceries in case my sister doesn't come home. What? Uh, so, by 7.45, Wanda still isn't home. Uh, her mom grew extremely worried, called the police to report her daughter missing. Uh, she then started going around and, you know, like asking people. So we, she went to the grocery store, was asking employees like, hey, have you seen my daughter? Uh, went door to door to like her friend's houses. like, Hey, have you seen my daughter? Got the same story of like, yeah, we were walking home and then yeah, she just wasn't there. Mm. Uh, so by 8.15, a massive search and rescue was underway with police and neighbors uh searching backyards alleys the railroad tracks that were nearby like everybody joined in on the search so surprisingly proactive once again right uh so while taking statements one of wanda's friends told police about an incident two nights prior uh the pair were walking along the railroad tracks and they saw a strange man while they were walking uh and at one point he just began chasing them and naturally they ran uh, and he chased him for a little bit before he decided to just like jump into a bush and uh, not chase them anymore. So they were like, that was super fucking weird. So they got out of there, uh, but they didn't see the f- the man's face. So she was just like, yeah, uh, a weird man chased us like two days ago. At- and that's all I got for you. And you didn't think to tell someone when you got home? No. <laughs> Apparently Wanda told her mom and her mom was like, yeah, that's super weird. And then nobody did anything about it. Yeah. Like, if my kid came home and was like, I say, like, I have a kid. But, like, if I had a child and they came home and were like, hey, a strange man chased me, I would immediately call the police and be like, hey, there's a weird dude in bushes out there. Like, please stop this. Dude, if we told mom that, like, a weird dude was chasing us, yo, she'd be on their ass so fast. Right, it's like, yeah, I'll call the police while I go get my baseball bat. Right? <laughs> like, she would not be fucking around. She'd be like, which railroad tracks? Which bush? Bet, I'm going. Cox gun. Right? <laughs> that just blows my mind. I can never imagine. Like, as I'm not a parent. 
But like, can we just talk what? about like why they're surprised that boomers are? Wi- but like, look at the parenting in the seventies. <laughs> This is very hands-off parenting. Like the 60s and 70s, like we wonder why boomers are like this now. I get it. <laughs> I, get, I get it. <laughs> Your parents literally said, I don't give a fuck if you get murdered. <laughs> right? Like, uh, they were really just left to their own devices. Fuck them, kids. Fuck them, kids. <laughs> Anyway, um, also, I think so, I might have interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you were saying I something. I don't remember. It's fine. <laughs> um, so the next morning, they were supposed to be celebrating, I believe, Rita's birthday. Um, instead, the whole family was gathered around a scanner that was tuned to the local police frequency. Um, and at 10.15 a.m., they heard a man over the scanner call in that a young girl's body was found at a rest area. And their mother was promptly taken to the hospital and treated for shock and was heavily medicated from here on out. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I uh, I have such conflicting feelings about that because, like, as somebody who constantly needs to know everything, I get it. But at the same time, I think my heart would shatter just hearing that casually get called over a police scanner. Yeah, I think that's a situation that, like, I get wanting to be proactive and be on top of it, but, like, I think I would rather just, like, wait right. until the police find something. Because the police are going to bring it to you b- better than that, at least. Right. And especially because, like, this is the 70s, right? Like, there's a lot of serial killers that are active in the 70s. Um so, like, yeah, they found a body, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's her body. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, in this case, it was, but it, it didn't necessarily it didn't. have to be. Right. Like, yeah, was, like, if I was born in the, like, if I was, like, so let's say, like, 20s, I would have had to been born in, like, the 50s to be, like, 20s, late teens in the 70s, but, like, I absolutely would have been a serial killer. Anyone could be a serial. You could literally do whatever you want and no one would stop. 2021, absolutely not. Dude, I was still listening like, to I was listening to Morbid and they're covering the Hillside Strangler right now. Oh yeah, and the Bianchi. Yeah, Bianchi and uh Angelo uh oh god, what's his last name? I always forget the second one for some yeah. reason. But Fucking Bianchi wanted so bad to be a cop. He applied for the LAPD, got approved for a ride along, and did a fucking ride along with the LAPD as the Hillside Strangler. And was like <laughs> asking them, that. like, hey, can we go to the site of like the where the body was found? Like, I have questions. And instead of like, oh, I don't know, raising red flags, the cops were like, I mean, we weren't really part of that. Like, not everybody's a homicide. Like, we just kind of pull people over and give them tickets. Like, it was so easy to be a serial killer in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will give them is that, like, I'm sure a lot of people were just, like, really interested in the case. So, like, they probably got a lot of people being like, hey, tell me more details. And they're like, I don't fucking know any details. (laughs) Like. I'm There's just a beat a cop. Difference between like being interested in the case and applying to be in the LAPD and asking way too many questions. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it just was so easy. Like you could just knock on anyone's door. You could just walk up to really? anyone, like any stranger out in public. Like people just sent their, especially if you want to kill children, they just sent their kids out with like no protection, no. None. Just like, yep, None. do whatever the fuck you want. See you later. It was a lawless wasteland, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Yeah, I was like, I won't even answer my door if I know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) I need advanced notice and, like, a biometric scanner. I literally gave my mom a key because I was like, I will never answer the door. (laughs) So you might as well just come on in. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So, yeah. Anyway way off track um so the the report was called in by thomas zimmer who was a state trooper on patrol he pulled into the oh god (sighs) Ah! 
Y- yeah. A rest area. <laughs> I like. I looked at the name for a little bit, and I debated trying it. And I just wait. I send it in the chat. I want to see. Oh, bet. Hold on. You tell me nope. how to pronounce that. What iron decoy? Right. I was like looking at that, and I'm like, maybe I can do it. I don't think I can. That's the best I got. That's all I got. I'm never saying it again, though. That was it. <laughs> that was my one shot. <laughs> your one shot to not miss your chance to bl- anyway uh, so they found her at this rest area around 10am on April 3rd um, when uh, he spotted something on the hillside and like it's spring-ish but not enough spring that like anything has grown yet so it was just kind of like a pop of collar cut his eye and he was like what the fuck is that plot twist it's a dead body oh, um, good so he found Wanda face down, still wearing the dress that she was the day before. Um, her autopsy showed that, like Carmen, she was brutally raped before being strangled to death by an object. Um, this is constantly referred to as like possibly a smooth belt. Um, and the autopsy also showed that she had been given custard two hours before her death. Um, and this is kind of interesting because her mom said that she would never accept anything from a stranger because she was a very nervous child and like it would have upset her stomach and like bitch same um right so it's like was this somebody that she knew like someone that was like hey I can give you a ride home let's go get ice cream first so this implied that she either knew her killer her killer was dressed or like pretending to be somebody that she could trust, so like a police officer, and a nun, clergy, ice cream truck driver, which that will come into play later. Um, or she accepted it under duress. But her mom was like, "That's super weird. She would never take a ride from a stranger. She would never accept anything from a stranger." Um, so she, yeah, it was, eh, it was rough. Um. So a team of 50 officers were sent out to canvas the area around where she was found as well as the neighborhood that they lived in. Um, She was found. I don't know why I didn't put the towns in my notes like an idiot, but where she was found started with a W. Um, And they dispatched a helicopter with a police photographer to take aerial photos of the area and the traffic patterns. Um, And then they set up roadblocks uh, at, like, these main traffic points that they would have to take to either get to the grocery store that she was at or get to this rest stop. Um, And they questioned every motorist who drove through that area on, like, a regular basis to see if they knew anything. And then if it seemed like cars were trying to avoid the roadblocks, um, there was police in unmarked cars that would record their license plate and track them down and be like, hey. Why were you avoiding the roadblock? Me, like, I had a lot of weed in my car. (laughs) (laughs) Super thorough police work. I'm proud of them for this. Oh, Unfortunately, this turned up no leads. Yeah, I was like, this is more effort than I was anticipating. And I'm proud of them. Like, this is amazing, but also... eh. Very heartbroken for them because it didn't work. So the weird thing, I don't even know if it's a weird thing. I just think it's a notable thing. Um, the groceries she was carrying were never found. Bitch, did you uh, see my groceries? Too? <laughs> Killed which, my child and stole my groceries? <laughs> uh, which to the police indicated that she must have willingly got into a car Um or the home of someone on her way home. But again, yeah, because like, if she was just uh, snatched, like she probably would have dropped the groceries. Right. Um, That's why like, I feel like it was someone who was like, hey, like, yeah, like a fake police officer, like a like someone she knew that was like, hey, like I can give you a ride home. It looks like yeah. you're struggling to carry that. Right. Um. So her friends and family immediately shot this down, citing that, you know, she would never go with a stranger. She never even accepted rides home from, like, friends of her mom, let alone, like, a complete stranger. 
Um, and they said the only reason she would have gotten to a car with a stranger is if they were in uniform. So like I said earlier, police officer, postman, clergyman, etc. Or if it was a woman. Maybe. <laughs> um, her friends also noted that there was no way that she was forced because like she's a feisty redhead. They would have heard her like putting up a fight if somebody tried to force her into the car. Remember, yeah, and it would have like, to be, like, a pretty quick thing, too, for them to kind of, like, turn back and she was, like, gone. Yeah. Like, she must have seen it and immediately – like, that's why I think it was someone she, like, knew because even if it was, like, say, like, a fake police officer or whatever, like, they would still have to have, like, a decent conversation with her to be, like, hey, like, I see that you're struggling. Do you live nearby? Would you like me to give you a ride home? Like, yeah. they would have, like, kind of a lengthier conversation where, like, someone you actually knew could, like, pull up and be like, get in. Let me drive you home. Like, get in right now. Yeah. And you'd be like, I oh, mean, yeah. And, like, just jump in. I see where you're coming from. But there's also, like, they don't say how much time passes between, like, the first time they look back and the second time they look back. That's fair. But for her to still be in sight with them, like, walking, it can't have been, like, that long. I feel like she you're giving ten year olds a lot of credit in how fast. Yeah, you know, walking. I I really am. <laughs> Cause I don't remember if like I don't know if you remember being 10, but I know that even though I was tall and I had long legs, I still was not getting anywhere fast because I was a goblin brain. Like I'd be walking, I'd be like, ooh, look a rock. Yeah, that's fair. Like I wasn't getting anywhere fast. <laughs> um so on April 4th, the Times Union published an article pointing out the similarities between Carmen and Wanda, which created a palpable fear throughout the city. Uh, parents were As keeping, it should. Right. Parents were keeping their daughters indoors. Like occasionally you'd see young boys walking around, but like young girls you either saw in very large groups or walking with their parents. And people that had the means were straight up just moving out of the neighborhood. They're like, we don't feel safe here anymore. Like, we're we're out. Someone actually, like, it's just so weird to me to, like, see the police and parents and a community, like, <laughs> a, like responding appropriately to crime. <laughs> like, I, did, I don't even know how to respond to it because my brain is like, wait, they're, they're doing things that are rational? <laughs> They're responding appropriately? What? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It, dude, people were not fucking around with this thing. Like, it scared the shit out of everybody. Um, Especially, like, parents that had daughters with double initials were, like, extra terrified. Because, like, people are connecting the dots. Right. And it's like, they're connecting the dots after two? You mean it didn't take like two dozen until someone was like, hey, maybe these are related? I mean, it's New York. But it's not even, they're in different locations too. You mean police and media actually communicate? I mean, there were like, what is these happening? Little outlier towns outside of Rochester. It wasn't like they were going miles and miles and miles away. Yeah, we're but that's like what I'm saying. Like, most. how many cases have we covered where they're literally killing people like in a town five minutes over, and the police never communicate, and then they kill like ten people before anyone connects it? Fair. Like- <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um. So. About two weeks after her murder, a gas station attendant comes forward to police, tells them that he saw a green Ford Pinto pull into the parking lot that had a young girl inside who was crying and looked as if she was trying to get out. Um, He described the driver as a white male about 40 years old with a tattoo on his right arm. Um, A few other people kind of called in about this same incident. So the police put out a public appeal to the driver um, to come forward. It, it was kind of like it was yeah i'm sure that'll a, happen right it was worded in a way of like hey if you come forward like you can clear your name like right now everybody's looking for a 40 year old white man with a tattoo who's driving a green ford pinto who they like, think is a murderer like if you right. come up here we you can prove you're not a murderer like if this was just you and your daughter having a dispute then fucking come forward like clear your name um strangely enough this didn't fucking work <laughs> Who would have guessed? Who would have thunk? I know you're so shocked. I know I was. Absolutely oh, not. Terribly shocked. <laughs> Horribly shocked. Yeah. 
Um, so that brings us to Michelle uh, Meneza. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. She was born at November 27th of 1962. She was the middle child of five. Uh, when she was younger, her parents separated. So her two older brothers went to live with her dad while she and her two younger sisters went to live with her mom. Which is a weird way to separate your kids, but whatever. It is, but uh, go off. <laughs> um, so she was described as being very quiet, very happy-go-lucky, very friendly. Um, her father described her as being immature for her age, but this was probably due to the fact that she was relentlessly bullied by kids her own age for being like a little bit fluffy. Um, and she also walked home with her mom every day, which I'll get to that in a second. So like she was just bullied relentlessly by kids her own age. So she hung out with kids a little bit younger because, you know, they're a little bit less judgmental. Right. And they're probably not like in her class or like seeing this stuff all the time either. Yeah. So Carolyn is their mom who was very protective of her daughters. Um, she never went anywhere without all three of them. Like she walked them to school, she walked them home. She walked them to the store, she walked them home. She like they never left her sight. Except for November 26, 1973. God, I, okay. I already know where this is going to go, but quick pause. I can't imagine the life for her other two daughters after this. Oh, God. Because she already sounds unbearable, like an unbearable <laughs> helicopter parent. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think they should have just been like, do whatever the fuck you want. But like, also, you can't be too much of a helicopter. But like, can you imagine her being like, yep. <laughs> The one time, the, the one, one time, time I left your sister alone, she got kidnapped and murdered. So I bet they still live with her. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I just, I think it's so funny to see the stark difference in like parenting too. Because the first two are very like hands off parent, like not hands off, but they're like, yeah, walk to the store, whatever, it's fine. And Carolyn, Carolyn's like, fuck no, you're not leaving my sight ever. Let's see how that paid off. Yeah. So November 26th, 1973, Carolyn went to the school to pick up the girls and walk them home. Um, Only two of her daughters came out and she was like, what the fuck? And they were like, hey, Michelle has to stay after. Um, So Carolyn decided to walk the other two girls home, thinking that Michelle could just walk home on her own. So... Dun, dun, dun. The reason Michelle has to stay late uh, is because she was given detention for standing up to one of her bullies, which, like, first of all, good on you, girl. Second of all, bullshit. Uh, I mean, her bullies got detention, too, but, like, man, don't punish her for standing up for herself. Come on. I'm more sad she got kidnapped on, like, the day that she finally, like, stood up for herself. Right. It's like, God damn it! like, you finally did it. Just for that to be your reward, like that does. I mean, I guess I don't know if she gets kidnapped, but I'm, yeah. I'm I can safely assume. <laughs> so she left the school between three o five and three fifteen, uh, and instead of going straight home, she decides to go to this store that her mom had lost her purse at to try and find it. I'm guessing to try to kind of like smooth it over, like, hey, I got detention, but like, I found your purse. That you lost. Right. Got a bargain. Right. So I'm like, I'm guessing that's why she decided to do this. Um, so she goes to the store to try to find it. Her uncle saw her in the plaza of the store and was like, hey, do you want to ride home? She was like, nah, I'm good. This is apparently the last time she was seen. Ugh, sorry, I keep getting hiccups. I can't imagine being that uncle. Being like, fuck, I should have, like, insisted. I, yeah, I can't imagine being the mom or the uncle because the mom's like, bro, the one fucking time. The one time. And then the uncle's like, dude, I could have, like, just been like, no, don't be a little bitch. Like, I'm taking you home. Right. And it's like, it's neither of their, like, their fault in this scenario either. It's just like, I can't imagine how bad I would feel. I also just can't imagine, like, just being like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, 
whatever. I won't give you a ride home. When you have a ten year like a child who is a girl with double initials in a time where children with double initials are being murdered. What? Right. What? So five o'clock rolls around. She hadn't come home. Her mom starts freaking out. Starts going door to door to the neighbor's house being like, hey, is Michelle here? Have you seen her? Uh, 5.40, she calls the police and reports her daughter missing. And they jump into action. Like, they're like, not this fucking bullshit again. Uh, Her description was blasted over police radios every hour throughout the night. Uh, They did a door-to-door search as well as a massive wide county search. Uh, Like, they... They jumped in. They were so ready. <laughs> this feels like the case that like made the thing where they're like, if you don't solve, like find the child within 48 hours or like within 24 hours. Like, yeah. I feel like this case is like the foundation of that. Right. <laughs> um, so two days later, Eugene Vandewall, the fire chief of Wayne County, uh, found her body in a ditch about 17 miles from where she was last seen. Uh, apparently, he kind of like struggled with calling it in because he was like, y'all, I don't want somebody to think this was me. But like, fuck, I found a body. Yeah, I <laughs> I get that. I feel like especially as like a man that's like on their own. Mm-hmm. at the moment like i i would also be a little nervous yeah so she was found in a city that started with the letter m i didn't put it in my notes because i'm a trash bag uh <laughs> her autopsy report showed that like the other two she was brutally raped and died from asphy- asphyxiation by strangulation Woo. That was a lot to get through. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the report also noted that there was very extensive bruising all over her body. Um, Poor baby. <laughs> so because of the similarities between all three cases, the police confessed in a press conference that there was a strong possibility that one person had committed all three murders. Uh, and because of the double initials of all three victims and the fact that the initials of their girls also shared a first letter of where they were found, uh, the killer was given the moniker of the alphabet killer, the double initial murderer. Um, authorities also got very caught up in the modus operandi. Why did I type that out? <laughs> the modus operandi. Why didn't I just say M.O.? <laughs> you just want to make why, things really difficult. Why did I type that out? Anyway. Um, so the M.O. here is targeting prepubescent girls, abducting them from the streets in broad daylight committing violent sexual assault and then strangling them. Um, And then what also got the authorities was the fact that all three girls were dumped unceremoniously with no effort to conceal them. Uh, This made them think that the killer was kind of enjoying playing with them. Like they wanted the bodies to be found and was viewing it as a game of like cat and mouse with the police. My question is, I was just thinking about this, is that like, how does he find these children with like the double names yeah so like is he like some does he work for like a school is he somehow like getting this like i I just don't understand how because even if you looked up like their parents like say you were thumbing through like the phone book just because someone like they're like oh you know what i mean whatever her mom's name is like probably is an alliteration it's not like it lists her six kids underneath her and like the phone book right um i'll that's probably something that I'll cover more in part two. But yeah, that detail kind of suggests that they're stalking their victims before. Uh, yeah, they, I feel like, like they choose them. Have to be. Right. Like if they're doing that purposefully, they have to be doing it purposefully. That's way too big of a coincidence to just be like, oh, yeah, I conveniently picked up three different kids that all have double initials and then just coincidentally dumped them in cities that start with the same letter like no well the first okay i could see the first one being an accident 
like you just there was a kid, child who was convenient to take like a, an opportunity you yeah. know what i mean and then you're like oh i like this like once mm-hmm. she's like my name's carmen Callan. you know what i mean and you're mm-hmm. like oh i like this yeah but then after that i feel like you'd have yeah you you'd have to be like stalking them or looking them out somehow right well and the like no stalking them in the instance too of like being able to know like hey this is somebody who consistently walks to this location by themselves right like this is where i'm likely to find them in a place where i could actually like take them yeah with the exception of michelle that one was really bold i feel like yeah and it's like actually like that's why i was like wondering i was like i wonder if they like work at a school because how else would you get the because like i said there's no internet back then or yeah. anything either. So it's like, how are you even getting access to all of these children's names? And then also have to, like, know what they look like and find out where they live or like mm-hmm. that. Like, knowing that the one day out of her entire life that she got detention. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you know that? Yeah. But it's so weird. Anyways. That is where I leave you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh the worst part is the next case is my case so we're not even gonna talk about this no <laughs> i'm gonna like come back and have like all of these theories and then it's gonna be like all of that's wrong <laughs> here's the actual answer well i guess we don't know the answer there is like they don't know who did it right you said that, right? I'm not crazy. That's something we'll talk about in part two. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways. God damn it. <laughs> well, let's wrap this one up. Uh, stay spooky, but I, I don't even know. <laughs> Not so spooky that you target children. Come on. Not Leave so the kids spooky alone. that you don't call the police after your child tells you they got chased by a strange man who jumped in a bush. Stay spooky, That's but not weird. so spooky that you fall victim to the fucking bystander effect. Yeah, what the fuck was that? I almost forgot about that. What the fuck? I have not. Yeah, I've just been mad. mad about that for days, and I haven't been able to text you and tell you why I'm mad. Yeah, just that. That. That is my... St- don't fucking do that. You're a piece of... Don't do that. Not that fucking spooky. Yeah, that's not it. We're not doing that anymore. We're for done anybody- with that who doesn't know the bystander effect is this like psychological theory that when large groups of people witness a terrible event happen, they're less likely to intervene because everyone um, thinks that someone else is going to help, right. but then surely no somebody helps. is going to. And yeah. So yeah, stay spooky, but not so spooky that you fall victim to the bystander effect. And so- it's extra frustrating because there's the opposite effect that in a large group, usually like when one or two people start to help, like something or a situation like this just happened in Traverse City with the fair um when the the fair machine almost tipped over like everyone could have stand there and been like oh no that's crazy but no like one person rushed over then everyone rushed over and they managed to like get the machine to stop shaking to like not kill anybody you know what i mean yeah i saw that so it's like if one people were literally holding down like a fair roller coaster yeah because it was like it was like the hundred or thousand and one knocks where it like goes up and down and it was like about to tip over which a lot of people could have been killed or like seriously hurt and a bunch of people stopped it that easily could have happened in this scenario right right like carmen carmen could have lived i don't know about the other two but carmen could have made it like, when they caught Richard Ramirez and, like, that whole community, like, beat the shit out of him, basically. Like, that's what I needed to happen here. So, uh, yeah, follow us on all of the things. All this stuff. We have all of the things. Facebook, Patreon, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like there's more things, but I can't Patreon? think of them at the moment. I think I 
Maybe I said like, that. Basically, like, everything is bitches Go and look murders at the Beacon's podcast. page. The Beacon has all of our links. Yes. Actually, just do that. Just that, do that. That makes this whole outro so much easier. <laughs> right. Just go to the Beacon's page. It's all there. And I don't have to tell you or try to remember. <laughs> Thank you. And we're out.